This episode is brought to you by my go-to meal prep company, Flex Pro Meals. I love Flex Pro because it tastes great, first and foremost, but also the ordering page makes it easy and has all the macro and nutritional info listed out for you for every single meal. There are 35 macro-balanced options starting at just $4.19, and they have next-day delivery to all 50 U.S. states. High-protein, low-carb, keto, gluten-free, you name it, they got it. You can use code CPRICE for 40% off your first order for a limited time. That's 40%. That's huge. So check them out, Flex Pro Meals. Welcome visionaries, dreamers, and trailblazers to the Casually Ambitious Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Price, and I am thrilled to embark on this journey with you. Here, we dive deep into the realms of wellness, entrepreneurship, and mindset. Let's build a life we love while loving the life we live. The adventure to a more mindful, purposeful, and casually ambitious life starts now. What is up, fam, and welcome back to the Casually Ambitious podcast. This week, we're trying something new. We're doing this for the first time. This is my first solo episode, which I'm very excited about. I got a couple Q&As that you guys have sent in about the race from this past weekend, the URD 100, which I was lucky enough to come away with with a win, uh, which was really awesome. My wife was out there with me. She was crewing me. Amazing race. So I figured we'd just go ahead and, and touch on a little bit of that, talk through that, answer your guys' questions. And kind of go from there. A couple of things I wanted to touch on right from the jump is this race was unreal, technically difficult. I mean, next level difficult. So Uari Forest is about an hour and a half or an hour 20 uh, east of Charlotte. So go directly east. I'm pretty sure you'll run into the Uari Forest. And the course out there is a loop. So it's a figure eight loop that you do, it's 20 miles, okay? So this 100-mile race, you're doing the eight-figure loop five times, right? So to think about it, you're coming back to the start-stop five times, and that's where your crew or aide is able to kind of set up shop, post up, and take care of you every time you come in. That's the only time throughout the course. The rest of the time, there are other aid stations. There's one, two other aid stations. One of the aid stations, it's a crossroad, so you'll hit it twice in one loop, if that makes sense. Again, because it's a figure eight. So uh, logistically, really tough. Like if you have something that you want to take at start stop, you you better make sure that you have it because it's going to be 20 miles again before you're getting back there. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit. But technically speaking, this is the hardest course I've ever taken on, like by far, by far. Um, and it was my first trail hundred. This was only my second hundred I've ever taken on. My first hundred was a road race. It was called Blackbeard's Revenge. I just dropped the documentary about that one last week. Um, this one was totally different. Different terrain, different elevation, Blackbeard's Revenge. There was elevation change, but it wasn't significant. This one had 34,000 feet of ele- elevation change, 17,000 feet of vertical gain. So tough conditions. I mean, when I say technically challenging, you couldn't look up from the course for more than two seconds or you're going to eat shit. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. There was maybe two areas on the course where you could just jog and breeze through for like 20 seconds. Other than that, your eyes have to be laser focused on the trail ahead of you because 
you're dodging rocks, you're dodging roots, you're dodging trees. I mean, it's all up and downhill. There's not really flat. It's just rolling hills throughout. So really, really challenging, really something new that I hadn't taken on before, which I was quite excited about, honestly. Um, I wanted to challenge myself and say, okay, you did you did pretty well in your first 100. Um, what can you do on this totally new terrain that you don't really train on either? You got to think about this. Like, I've been to the Whitewater Center a time or two for off-road trails and stuff, but generally speaking, 99% of my training runs and my training in general has been on the road here in Charlotte, around the city, um, on the greenway, that sort of thing. So I'm coming into this really completely green to the loop. So I did do my last training run um, in peak week, two weeks before my race was actually on the loop. So I went out to the loop. I did one lap for 20 miles. I wanted to test the course out, see what I was getting myself into, acclimate myself a little bit, test some new shoes I had. Some of you may have been following me at that point and seeing that I did that loop, that 20 miles, and I got my ass kicked. My toe just went crazy. I had shoes that were two sizes too small or a size and a half too small. Essentially, I had I bought some new Saucony Riffs, Endorphin Riffs, to try them out. The marketing sold me. They got me. I bought 10 and a half, which is what I usually wear. Um, when I'm running on the road, I, I wear 10 and a halves. All the shoes I usually buy are 10 and a halves. So after my toe blows up, I go to Ultra Running Company um, here in Charlotte. They're very knowledgeable about this. And they're like, yeah, dude, you're running in probably shoes that are a size and a half to two sizes too small for you. So I've learned that you can get away with smaller shoes on the road. You cannot get away with it on the trail because on the trail with the elevation change, you're constantly pounding the front of the shoe. You need that toe box room to be able to move around a little bit. So I walk out of ultra running company with a size 12, whereas previously I'd been wearing 10 and a half. So pretty drastic change there. A week out from the race, if you would have told me or asked me if I would have been able to run the race based off how much my toe hurt, I would have said there's probably a 10% chance, maybe, because there was just so much fluid buildup in it. Tremendously painful. You know, I can work through blisters. I can work through aches and pains, but this was just different. So I went to work on, on the toe a little bit myself, ended up draining it quite a bit, significantly more than the doctor did. The doctor went right through the toenail. I kind of came at it from above, from a different angle. I'm not going to get into the details because it was gross for sure, but I drained the toe. So I had a, about a week's time for the toe to heal, which it did. Like the toe held its own on the course, which was just crazy, crazy. It's it's a miracle that the body can heal itself that quickly, but that was not my main concern on the course on race day. So heal up. We're good to go. You know, everything goes is going good prior to the race, the lead up to. Uh, I got my nutrition dialed in. I got my hydration dialed in, which I really started four days prior to the race. I started upping my electrolytes, started increasing my carb intake, Again, four days prior, increasing day by day leading up to the race. And then um, race day comes around. It's on Saturday. We go down Friday night, stay at a, a hotel, a quality inn. And I knew we were in for a long night because it was one of those hotels with the door 
to the outside. It was like a breezeway. And I was like, oh, Lord, we're in Albemarle, North Carolina. This is where some sketchy shit's about to happen. But I got a pretty decent night's sleep there, which was good. And then my wife, Darian, and I <clears throat> woke up at four the next day. I you know, woke up, had my two slices of bread with peanut butter and banana, my go-to pre-race meal. I'm feeling good. We get there at, you know, 4.45, 5 a.m., check in for the race, all good. And I'm feeling really good at this point. Um, I'm feeling like I should. Conditions are great for the weekend. I mean, it didn't rain. It rained a little bit the night before, so everything was a little little bit slippery, a little bit wet, but it didn't affect the, con- the conditions of the course too much, which was great. So anyway, um, the gun goes off at 6 a.m., and we get out there. And start rolling. And I'm with the lead pack right from the jump. I think there's three of us. I'm the only one doing the 100. The other two are doing the 100. Or I'm the only one doing the 100 mile. The other two are doing the 100K. And then there's another 100K guy that just passes us. Uh, blows blows past us. And I'm like, this dude's either on another level or I'm going to see him uh, <laughs> in the foreseeable future getting, you know, having bonked. Um a couple hours from now. So we'll see. So anyway, the first lap goes really well. Again, I'm pacing with these guys for maybe the first six miles. We get to the first crossroad aid station and then I leave them because I'm like, okay, my goal for this race, and this is super ambitious, but I'm a little naive in my thinking for my goals for a lot of our races was to challenge for the course record. The course record was 20 hours and I think 27 minutes. So my mentality was, let me go and try and average four hour loops. So every 20 miles, I want to do around four four hours. So I figured some of them, I'd come in a little bit early at 3.50. Some of them a little late at like 4.10, 4.15. Hopefully try to average around four and be able to, to beat or challenge for the record. Didn't end up happening. I got humbled <clears throat> really quick. I mean, the first the first lap was great as it's supposed to be in a hundred mile race, right? You're cruising. Um, didn't really have any issues for the first 20 miles. I separate myself pretty quickly. Again, I have like this 100 K who's ahead of me, but I'm not thinking about him because he's not even running the same race as me. Right. So I'm just setting my pace and I'm trying to find my all day pace. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I can probably average, you know, 11, 30, 12 minute miles. Um, for the first 20 and and be fine. So that's what I do. Everything goes according to plan. I come through at 3.50 to four hours for the first loop, which I'm like, cool, right on time, right where I'm supposed to be. I breeze back through the aid station. Like I re-up my nutrition and all that stuff. But other than that, like I don't feel too many aches, too many pains, nothing like that. Second loop, shit starts to hit the fan. As as it always will in a hundred. At, at some point, shit's gonna go wrong, and it happened to do that uh, on the the second loop for me. So the first thing that I started running into was IT band issues, and I could tell it was coming from my hip. It was a case of like sometimes if you have knee or foot pain, it'll be coming from higher up in the leg, like the hip or even the lower back. And so for me, I was realizing my IT band issues, my knee pain was coming from my hip. Um, This is probably 10 miles into the second loop. And if you've ever felt 
an, a knee pain before a runner's knee or an IT band issue. My knee started to feel really heavy, like heavier than normal. And it also is like a deep, achy pain. It's not necessarily sharp for me. It's like this deep, deep ache. And I could feel that I was starting to get stressed in my hip and I felt it coming down to my knee. And I'm like, <clears throat> well, we're 30 miles in to a hundred mile race. I don't know if it's going to hold up for 70 miles. I honestly have no idea, but all I can do is try to take care of it at the next aid station um, at start stop because I know I brought my knee brace and I have some um, Ashe pain relief gel that uh, the homies at Ashe hooked me up with. So I'm going to put that on, see what happens because that's all you can do, right? Is just take care of the problems as they come up try to address them and work through them. So that was happening on lap two, got back around. So I've completed 40 at this point. And I also start to feel blisters on the bottom of my feet starting to come into play. My big toes are giving me issues. I'm starting to get blisters. So what I do is put moleskin pads on the bottom of my feet because the issue was I was wearing shoes that were fitting me uh, for the trail, but it was also different from whatever I had previously trained in. And so I had a lot more room in the shoe to like move around. So the bottom of my foot is moving around quite a bit compared to what it usually is. And it's creating some blisters on the bottom. So I put some moleskin tape on the bottom, which helps tremendously. And I also put these little, like, they look like toe socks on. I bought them at uh, Harris Teeter before the race because I knew my toes were in bad shape. So I put those on and um, this combination actually helped quite a bit. I lather up my knee with this Ashe cream stuff, which worked again really well. And then I take my knee brace and just slide it over and boom, I'm out of the aid station from there. Surprisingly enough, it, it worked. Like, I don't know if it was the brace. I don't know if it was the cream, like it bothered me here and there throughout the rest of the day. But I thought that I was going to probably have to drop, not because I was going to quit, but because my knee was going to give out at some point later in the race. And it didn't. It gave me just enough support that I needed to, to keep fighting through and to be able to like feel it, but not have to think about it the rest of the day, which was phenomenal. So again, like as these problems are coming up, we're addressing them. We're doing the best we can to fight through them. And then we're continuing to push on. So lap three. <laughs> so right before I left for lap three, I look at my wife, who is my my aide, uh, my primary crew chief uh, for this race. And I had taken my headlamp off because I started the race. It was 6 a.m. I needed the headlamp for like an hour, hour and a half. Took it off the rest of the day. And then this time, I was a little bit after two. And I knew that these loops were taking me a little bit over four hours. Also, at this time, I realized like, hey, there's no way you're going to break the course record. Like, it's just not in the cards. You're not, whether you're not strong enough or whatever it is, like, it's just not going to happen. But it seems like sub 24 is easily in the bag. And for this race, even sub 24 is a substantial feat. I think only only five other people prior to me had done sub 24 at this race. So at this point, I'm like, Cool. I got plenty of buffer time. I was going for 20 hours. Now I'm going for 24 hours. I'll be fine. Or sub 24 hours. I'll be fine. So that gave me a little bit of breathing room and leeway to say, okay, you don't have to push, push, push as hard as you possibly can for the next three loops. Let's just find an all day pace and take it easy and cruise. 
So I'm about to leave the aid station. I'm like, hey, babe, should I take my headlamp? Because it's probably going to be dark by the time I get back. And she's like, no, I think there'll be enough light. We'll make sure you get it uh, on your next time around and you'll be fine. So I don't take it. Should have taken it. But anyway, I get going. Third loop is going well. Again, I have recovered from my knee issue for the most part. And at this point, like my stomach's giving me a little bit of problem, but it's nothing too much. But I'm like, all right, I need to chill. Because at the aid stations, they have so much shit. Like so much is random shit. They have, you know, all the snacks and candies you could think of. They got burgers. They got burritos. They have Coke, Mountain Dew, pickle juice, like all this stuff. So at the aid station, you know, I'd like grab a piece of bacon. I would grab a Coke. I would take a shot of pickle juice and do these things that trying to replenish a little bit. Um, generally speaking, I try to stay away from what they have at the aid stations because I obviously haven't trained on bacon and pickle juice and Coke. So I'm trying to just stay with what I've trained on, which is like Uncrustables, um, Cliff Bars, granola, things like that, that I know sit well and that I can continue to to go out and not have too many stomach issues on. So having a little bit of, of GI issues at this point, but working through it. And uh, towards the end of the third lap, it starts to get really dark. And I'm like, oh shit, I don't think I'm going to make it back in time. I do have my phone on me. So I'm like, last resort, worst case scenario, I'll take out my phone. I'll use my phone flashlight to guide me. And um, fortunately, I got to the last aid station, which is like, it's called Kelly's Kitchen before I had to come back um, for back to start finish. And I think it was like 10 miles from Kelly's Kitchen or it was like the halfway point. And I was like, hey, do you guys have an extra headlamp sitting around somewhere? I didn't bring mine. I don't think I'm going to make it. Fortunately, they had one. So shout out to, to Kelly or whoever it was at Kelly's Kitchen that gave me that headlamp because I ended up having to use it like after five miles after that because it had gotten really, really dark. I mean, think about it. We're in a forest. You're covered in trees and uh, it gets dark really fast. So fortunately, I got that. Had that coming back through um, to start stop for the third loop. And at this point, like I'm gassed. I'm gassed. I've gone out not too hard, but it's just this course is so freaking challenging and you have to be so mentally dialed in for so long. I'm just mentally fatigued. I'm physically fatigued and I'm like, damn, I got two more 20 mile loops to do. Not only that, but like my feet are starting to get in a bad spot. And so I have to take my shoes off We've rewrapped my feet. I have to apply like bigger pads of moleskin on the bottom of my feet, rewrap them up, put these new little toe socks on my, my big toes because they're giving me issues, band-aid up the pinky toes, all of this. And um, I grab my headlamp <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, just just take it one mile at a time. At no point do I think I'm I'm quitting or anything like that. I'm just like... It's going to be a long night. And I, I do remember, just to backtrack a little bit, I got to mile 50. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm halfway through. And then I thought I ran like 30 more minutes. And I looked down at my watch and it was like 50.05. I was like, dude, this race is just crawling by. It was going so freaking slow. And it kind of felt like that throughout the day because you can't just charge through this course. You have to pick 
and meander your way up and down and left and right and through all of this shit. And there's no time where you can really take off or mentally zone out or else you're eating shit. I also was like tripping. I probably tripped 400 times. And I'm not kidding when I say that. Like when you're running through the woods and there's just random rocks everywhere, like the top of of your toe or, or the top of your shoe will just nick a rock and then you'll have to like catch yourself. And so by the end of this, my IT bands, or excuse me, my hip flexors were just absolutely toast from having to constantly like catch myself, catch myself. Even the next day when I was starting to fall asleep, I kept like jolting awake because I kept having that reoccurring feeling of falling forward, falling forward. <clears throat> so all of this is starting to take its toll. I start the fourth lap and, um, at this time, like I'm aware somebody's behind me, but I don't know how far I think they're like, I've heard they're like 20 minutes behind and then 30 minutes behind, but like somebody's back there. That's in the back of my mind. It's not really pushing me any faster. It's not making me go any slower. It's just like, okay, you got to maintain, you can't cruise the rest of this and like do a lot of walking or anything like that. Cause they will catch you. So just maintain and see what happens. So that's what I do. I get going again. And, uh, this loop was the worst. The fourth, fourth loop was by far the worst because you're so toast and you're like, dude, I have, tw I have another 20 mile loop after this, you know? And at this point I was starting to get some pain. I think I have a stress fracture. I'm not sure about that. Don't quote me on that, but I think I picked up the stress for stress fracture on this loop where, you know, you just step wrong and then you start to feel a pain and it's not enough to to take me out. It's not like a sharp, sharp pain. But again, it's like I feel it. I feel my foot every time I take a step and every time I make a, you know, a harsh move. So the injuries at this point are just starting to pile up, pile up, pile up. I think I fell like two times this loop, like actually fell, fell, like ate shit, which is demoralizing in the moment. Um, but this was the darkest part of the race for me by far. And this is where I picked up my first mantra of the race. And I'll get into this a little bit later when I get into the things that I learned from the race, but I picked up a mantra and I kept saying this to myself throughout the race. All I need is all you got. All I need is all you got. And I kept telling that to myself because, you know, you have to work with what you have in the moment, especially in a hundred mile race, because so many things are coming at you. So many things are going to shit and you're just trying to patch the boat as the holes keep coming up. So I kept saying, all I need is all you got. Just give me what you can in this moment. Every single lap, like every single mile, just give me what you can. And so that was really motivating for me to keep keep me going through that time that was a little bit tougher um, than, than the previous loops. So I worked my way through the fourth lap and I've started to lap some people in the 100 mile at this point, um, which I'm kind of looking forward to because other than the aid stations and the occasional person, which you'll come across, you, you're not, you're by yourself. And it's pitch black in the forest at this time. Like after the third loop, the fourth loop and the fifth loop were pitch black. So it's just darkness. And so you'd see, you know, you're going down the trail, you'd start to see a light like out in the distance and then you'd catch it and then you'd, you'd pass it. You'd say, you know, something nice, like keep going. You're doing great to the person in front of you. But so that kind of was a little bit of game that I was playing with myself at that time to be able to keep my mind off, you know, the pain and, and working through that. 
was to gamify it, which is one of the strategies I use. And the other was using that mantra, which I just kept repeating to myself, repeating to myself. So <clears throat> that loop um, somehow, some way finishes. And after that, I'm like, <laughs> all right, there's one more. I feel really guilty at this point because I had told Darian prior to this race that I wanted to break the course record. And I assumed like, you know, at the worst, I'll finish 21, 22 hours. But these loops were starting to take me longer and longer. And I realized it's going gonna, it's gonna to be close. I'm probably going to finish this race over 24 hours. And that was like four hours or five or three or four hours longer than I thought that we were going to have to be there. So I just started feeling this, this feeling of guilt. And I come around loop four and I see Daria and I, I give her a kiss, give her a hug or whatever. And I, and I'm like, babe, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm so sorry that I'm not doing as well as I thought I would. I'm going a lot slower than I thought I would. We're going to have to be here longer. And she's like, stop, stop it right now. You're doing incredible. I don't need you to apologize for anything. You don't need to feel bad for anything. I'm here for you. Now go out and do this thing. She's like, there's a guy, he's like 24 minutes behind you. Go out and win this thing. And I'm like, all right, I I know what I got to do. I got to go out, hold my own and go out and win this. Um, and again, I hear he's 24 minutes behind me. So, and I heard that there was a lead, uh, second place lead change too. So the guy in third had made it to second. So I'm like, oh shit, this guy might be charging. I have no idea how much he has left in the tank. Like, I'm not getting information from aid stations. I don't really know what's going on. So all I know is he's 24 minutes behind me. So I'm like, okay, this last 20 mile loop, I'm going to give this everything that I got. I'm going to empty the tank. I'm going to do what I have to do. So I take two, like I never take double ketone shots, but I took two back-to-back -back ketone shots and uh, fixed my feet one more time. And I knew that they were trash, but I'm like, just don't think about the feet, dude. I mean, the pain's there. It's going to be there regardless if you walk or if you run. So like, go ahead and get the fuck after it. Go win this thing. So I take off on the fifth loop. Again, it's it's pitch dark. And all I'm looking for are my checkpoints. Like my points of reference, the things that I distinctly remember, those are obviously going to be aid stations. And... um so that's all I do. The whole 20th, or excuse me, the whole fifth lap, the last 20 miles, all I'm doing is going to these checkpoints that I remember being like last time, motherfucker. Last time I'm seeing this motherfucker. There's three huge climbs in the race. The first one is called Sasquatch Summit. Second one, I can't remember what it is. And the third one is Hallucination Hill. So, you know, I'm getting to Sasquatch Summit. I, I come across that. I'm like, last time, motherfucker. And the whole time I'm like, I never want to see this forest again. Like I am never going to see this forest again. Last time, last time. So that was keeping me really, really motivated. And again, I'm repeating my mantra over and over. All I need is all you got. Just give me everything you got right in this moment. I don't need your, your best from what you had in mile, you know, one or mile 10 or mile 50. I need everything you have right now. So that's kind of what I kept going back to that kept kept me motivated, helped keep me strong mentally for that last loop. And I'm just finding those little checkpoints along the way to just check the box. So looking forward to looping some people, looking forward to hitting, hitting these checkpoints. And um, lo and behold, like eventually I'm towards the end and I see this last little bridge and I'm like, okay, three miles out from the bridge, let's do this. And um, 
I still at this point have no idea how far the guy behind me is or how close he is or if he's even remotely close to being able to pass me or what he's got left in the tank. So I'm pushing. And I'm really glad that I didn't know how far he was because I wouldn't have pushed this hard on the last loop at all uh, if I did know that I was well ahead of him <laughs> at that time. So the last loop, I'm, I pushed the entire time. I kid you not, like I probably went 30 to 45 minutes faster on my fifth loop than I did on my fourth loop. Um, and that was all mental. It's not that I was less tired or anything like that. I was mentally stronger on my fifth than my fourth. And that just shows you a little bit about like in a hundred mile race, there's so many miles you're going to go through super deep, dark patches. And you're going to go through patches where you're mentally going through weakness and you're mentally really, really fucking tough. And that last loop, I just hung mentally tough. So get, you know, to this last little hurrah, this last little hub hill to, to cross the start finish line for the fifth. And I see 23, 50 something. And I don't know what it is, but I'm like, oh shit, I'm cutting it close because now sub 24 was my, my new target. I ended up crossing in 23 hours, 57 minutes, some odd seconds. Um, give the race director a hug. He was such a, a good guy. I really enjoyed talking to him and getting to know him. You know, I embraced D. There was a super emotional moment for me where I wanted to tear up, but then it, you know, it passed. I'm not a super, super emotional dude, but when you put it all out there like that, you know, occasionally some of these emotions do bubble up. So, um, yeah, from there, it's like you just get into, you know, you you take your picture with the race director, with your your uh, belt buckle. I got the actual belt, the sub-24 sub belt, um, which you get if you obviously get sub-24. You get your little ceramic. They don't really do, <laughs> like like trophies or cups or anything. They do like little ceramic pieces. So I got that. And then you just look forward to, to sitting for the next like 30 to 45 minutes, just sitting and like having a moment of peace for the first time in 24 hours, because you literally just ran nonstop for 24 hours straight, which is just crazy, crazy feeling. So yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, I learned so much on that course and you know, I wouldn't have been able to do any of it without D being a phenomenal crew chief for me. It was her first time ever doing anything like that. So shout out to her. She made that race what it was for me. And it's kept me motivated and kept me tough, hanging tough in times when I really, really was was low. So that was awesome. And that leads me kind of into my next point, which is like a couple things that I picked up uh, or learned in, again, this is my second hundred. So I knew a little bit what to expect, but there were some things that I I didn't know what to expect. And the first being, there are just levels to this shit, right? Like my first hundred I did in 16 hours, 17 minutes. This hundred ended up being 23 hours, 57 minutes. That's, you know, <laughs> eight hours longer. That's crazy. Um, same distance, but it took me eight hours longer. And, you know, that comes down to like, trail technicality, elevation change, conditions, logistics, all these things. So just something to be aware of and like do as much research as you can when you're signing up for these races or, you know, when you're thinking and considering about a race, cause there's just so many factors that go into it. Um, I'm really, really glad I signed up for this one. Don't get me wrong, but just so drastically different. I mean, eight hour difference from start to finish is, is huge. So you know, know the devil that you're facing. 
um, before you sign up for them. Um, but you know, do your research and find the ones that are challenging if that's what you're looking for, or find the flatter ones if that's what you're looking for as well. But there's certainly levels to this shit, and I'm so glad that I did take this one on and was able to, you know, prove myself right in a lot of ways and stay strong on that fifth loop because I learned a lot more about myself and how mentally tough I actually was, which was really, really cool. The second would be to attack your problems before they attack you. And what I mean by that is if you feel something start to come on, even if it's not necessarily an issue, it will be, right? It, it will become an issue, whether that's a blister that you feel in your shoe and you're like, oh, I got a little bit of pain down there, or whether your gut starts to give you problems, you're having some GI issues, or you feel a little bit of chafing coming up, or any of these things, like if you're feeling some pain, maybe you need to pop a Tylenol or whatever, attack it the next chance you get at the aid station. Because if you don't, like for example, this was a 20 mile loop. So if I don't attack it at start stop, I have to wait 20 miles or essentially four or five hours to attack it again. And what wasn't a problem at one time, four or five hours later, damn sure could be a huge problem or even take you out of the race at that point. So that's kind of what I mean is don't let your problems attack you, attack them and kind of get ahead of them, whether that's taking care of your blisters or, you know, eating a ginger chew if you're having stomach problems, whatever it is, right? Number three would be to find a mantra to help sustain you and keep you going that you can say to yourself and, and continue to repeat in your head that keeps you mentally strong. Again, for me, that was all I need is all you got. I don't know where the fuck I heard that from. No idea where I heard that from. Maybe a movie. I, I don't know. It sounds really familiar. But that's the one I chose, and that's the one that came to me in that moment. And so that's the one I repeated. And I swear there's something about that positive self-talk and being able to talk to yourself in, in that manner that enables you to keep going when times get really freaking tough. So... So I would say you don't even have to be prepared for with a mantra before a race. You'll find one. You'll find one that you need to cling to in the moment. Um, but yeah, find a mantra and be able to hold on to that throughout the, the tough moments in the race. Number four would be to collect little wins along the way. And for me, that was like little checkpoints, kind of what I talked about when I would hit an aid station or I found that little bridge where I knew it was three miles for the finish. And also just these little moments of gratitude when you're just out there and you're like, I'm so grateful I, I can do this. I'm so grateful I can run like this. I'm so grateful my body can can do this for 100 miles. Like it's crazy uh, when you really think about it. So finding those little moments of gratitude and those little wins are so incredibly important because they allow you to build a little bit of momentum, especially when you're in the depths of despair and you're trying to fight through those tough, tough moments. The last thing for me would be kind of a strategy, which is, you know, going into a race, you should already know what your all day pace is. And that's basically, this is what I want to average throughout the entire day. You're going through the race at your all day pace and you're not, you know, overexerting at any points because you've already identified, Hey, I think I can run a hundred miles at 10 minute, 10 minutes a mile or whatever it is that you determine. Um, you determine that all day race pace and you sit on that the entire race, you hold true to it. You don't deviate for me the last lap or the last 20 miles. I'm able to say, okay, let me empty the tank. Everything I got, like 
don't hold anything back. This is the end, the true end, end, end. You don't have any more loops left. So go ahead and end the tank and empty the tank. So I would just say like, know what your all day race pace is and then be ready to empty the tank on the last 10, you know, five, 10, 20 miles. And that way, you know, if you do have anybody who's there with you at the end, you can pull away because you're going to have a gear or somewhere to go mentally and physically that they probably don't have. So that's all I got for y'all on that. So I did have a lot of questions I, I put up. Um, if you guys asked me a couple of questions based off the race that I wanted to answer for you. And uh, we'll start. This one says, how to push through mentally in the dark woods. <laughs> Uh, somebody asked me about this. So it's, it's, I kid you not, like it's pitch black out there. There's, you can kind of see the moon every once in a while, like through the trees, but it's not, there's no light from the moon. It wasn't full or anything like that. It's just you and your headlamp out there really. And again, this is for like probably 50 miles of the course because you have your hour, uh, maybe not 50, maybe 45 miles out of a hundred mile course was just pitch black dark. For me, it was like I had my objective, which was just finish the loop or, you know, finish the mile or whatever it was. So if I did, if I wasn't running a race and I was just out there in the middle of the forest alone with a headlamp, I probably would have been scared. Like <laughs> you just can't help it. You're, you're feeling alone. You're feeling, you know, totally vulnerable in the woods because you can't see where anything is or whatever. I would have been very, very scared, but I was working through just trying to finish the lap or finish the race or whatever it was. I guess just having an objective and just working through it and being so like laser focused that that didn't become a big issue is kind of how I worked through that one. Next one is uh, what was your first meal post race? This is pretty funny. So my birthday was last week and uh, I told my wife after the race, we still have some leftover cake from raw bites by Rissa, amazing cake here in Charlotte. Shout out to, to her. And I, I was like, after I finish this race, I'm going to eat this whole fucking cake. I did not eat the whole cake, but uh, I've done significant damage to it. I mean, once you run a, a, a hundred miles and you burn, you know, 15,000 calories, you just don't care. You have zero care what it is you put into your body. It's like whatever you're, you're craving, whatever you can put down in the moment you do. So it ended up being that, that birthday cake. Uh, so, uh, that really hit the spot, I got to say. Um, and also, like, you're very nauseous again after you run so far. And, you know, you've been putting all these weird snacks in your body for for such a long time. So for some odd reason, like, that really was hitting for me. Lowest point on the course and how did you power through? Kind of spoke to that a little bit. It was definitely the fourth lap because you got one more left and you're so physically tired, physically depleted. But that's just turning that mental switch and saying, all right. I'm going to find my mantra. I'm going to find my little wins along the way. And I'm just going to keep powering through like quitting. Absolutely not an option. Never once did I think I was going to quit. But, and I think that's where it starts. It's like knowing you're not going to quit and knowing you're going to go out there and finish the race. You're going to find a way to find a way one way or another. So I just say like, you know, that overcome whatever it is mindset and fight through it. Again, these problems are going to pop up throughout, but just working through them piece by piece. I think that, kind of relates to this other one mindset shift from first 20 to last 20 again kind of flipping the switch mentally how did the toe do the toe held up like i had my little toe socks on it looked like a little toe condom i kid you not it was just the funkiest looking thing but um 
you know, they're both tore up right now, but as far as what I thought it was going to be, it did really, really well. So that was great. My favorite real food eaten at a checkpoint. I actually downed a burger at one of the checkpoints because I knew I needed some real substance, some real sustenance to keep me going. Cause I was eating, you know, all these snacks and like kept drinking my hydration mix and everything like that. So I have to say I had a pretty banging cheeseburger at one point. How many times you went to the bathroom? So I will say my first race, like I have no idea. The number does not exist. It was a lot of times. <laughs> I was tore up my first race. This race went much, much better. I was way more dialed in on the nutrition side. My stomach wasn't giving me issues. So not many times, not many times. I'm not going to give an exact answer. Um, but I was feeling way better on the stomach side of things this time around. What was the least expected challenge you encountered for this course? Would probably be, I didn't realize how down I would feel after lap four because I had one more left. I thought, you know, typically you finish a lap and you're like, yeah, baby, I'm one, one lap closer, one lap closer. But something about being 20 miles out after the fourth lap, I was still like, fuck, I got a long, long way to go still. So probably that. But again, that allowed me to find this extra gear or this different mental place that I was able to travel to in order to fight through that and take that on. So it was a blessing and a curse at the same time. And I'll be able to take that knowledge and experience into the next race and be that much stronger. Cool. I think that's all the questions I'm I'm going to answer from that. That was great. Um, I'll do that every time I do a race, but Hey, thank you guys so much for, for listening to this one. I hope you guys enjoyed the solo episode. Have no idea if you guys are going to like this or not, how it's going to go. Um, but wanted to try it. And again, like talk, talk through the race, let you know how it went, talk through logistics, talk through the highs, talk through the lows. Um, that's what it's all about. So I appreciate you guys. I haven't really asked this recently, but if you guys could, if you're still there, please uh, like and, and subscribe to this if you haven't already. Give us a review on Spotify. Give us a follow. Whatever it is, wherever you're listening, just um, please you know, take a little bit more action. It helps us grow the podcast. And share it with a friend, whether that's on Instagram stories or whether you send it to somebody you're, you're texting with or a group chat or whatever it is. We're trying to grow the pod. And that's the way that we do it. So thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you. I love you guys. And I will see you in the next one. That's the pod. Peace.